John chapter 5, verses 19 to 30. And if you can remember back a couple weeks ago, before Advent, we started the beginning of this account in John chapter 5. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and he sees this man at the pool of Bethesda, and he has compassion on him. And he asks him, do you want to be healed? What does Jesus do? He tells him, pick up, or get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And this man who had been an invalid for 38 years gets up and walks. With just a word, Jesus heals this man, and this should have led everyone, everyone, to celebrate and praise God for what he had done. And yet, the religious leaders get furious. They're mad because this guy is carrying his mat, which to them was breaking the Sabbath because he was working. And then they're mad at Jesus because he healed this man on the Sabbath. And this led to them persecuting Jesus. We see that in verse 16. And then Jesus says in verse 17, my father is working until now and I am working. And this made the religious leaders so angry. They went from persecuting Jesus to seeking to kill him within a few verses. Not only were they seeking to kill him because he was healing on the Sabbath, but because he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So that's where we left off. So this morning, we're going to be looking at how Jesus responds to those who were seeking to kill him. So let's look at our text. John chapter 5, starting in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is God's word. All right, so the question that the Gospel of John is answering is the question, who is Jesus? And in this passage, we see Jesus giving the answer to who he is. Jesus says to these religious leaders, you say that I make myself equal with God? Well, let me show you how equal with God I truly am. I am the one who does what the Father does. I'm the one who is able to give saving life. I am the one who will raise the dead. I am the one who will be the judge of men and women at the end. And so you who now judge me will one day stand before me and realize that I, the one that you sought to judge, am your final judge. In this passage, Jesus makes huge claims about himself. J.C. Ryle says of this passage, Nowhere else in the Gospels do we find our Lord making such a formal, systematic, orderly, regular statement of his own unity with the Father, his divine commission and authority, and the proofs of his Messiahship. It seems one of the deepest things in the Bible. The claims that Jesus makes here in this passage eventually lead to his crucifixion. And this passage is all about who the Son of God is, what he does and what he will do, and how we all must respond to him. Because he himself is God's Son means that he is God. He has the power to give new life and is the only one who has the authority to judge your life in the end. And so our present enjoyment of grace in life and our future destiny for eternity depends on our response to Jesus Christ. So our, our, our present enjoyment in this life and our future eternal destiny depends on our response to Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this text, I've separated the sermon into three different sections. You probably noticed that there are three truly, truly statements that guide the flow of thought through this passage. And so I'm going to use them as my three main sections. So verses 19 to 23, we see that the Son is equal with the Father. The Son is equal with the Father. In verse 24, we will see that the Son offers eternal life. And then in verses 25 to 30, we will see that the Son will raise the dead. And the main point, which I hope you see in the text this morning, is this. The Son's equality with the Father demands that we respond to him with honor and belief. The Son's equality with the Father demands that we respond to him with honor and belief. All right, so take a look at verse 19. We're going to see the Son is equal with the Father. 
Verse 19 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus responds to these religious leaders who were seeking to kill him with these truly, truly statements. He used them to emphasize the importance of what he was saying. It's like putting these words in bold or highlighting them. For the younger folks in the room, the modern day equivalent of truly, truly is like no cap. No cap. Maybe no cap used twice. No cap, no cap. What Jesus is saying is true and significant. He's saying, listen up. The son does only what the father does. Do you see that? The son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. And then we have this similar phrase said in verse 30. He says, I can do nothing on my own. It's possible to misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. Yes, Jesus was less than the father in his human nature. But in these verses, Jesus is not explaining how less he is than the father, but he's making the argument how equal he is with the father as the son. And so when Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own accord, he is saying, I'm not working independently from my father. I'm not acting as a rogue agent doing whatever I want. I am working with the Father. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And Jesus isn't saying that he's trying to imitate what God does. He is saying that the works of the Father are the works of the Son. So who healed that man by the pool? God the Father. And who else healed that man by the pool? God the Son and God the Spirit. So whatever Jesus did, the Father and the Spirit were doing. Trying to explain the doctrine of the Trinity is difficult. Probably a little bit more difficult on New Year's Day. Right? (laughs) There's so much mystery surrounding the Trinity Okay, but, but simply, simultaneously, at the same time, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit exist eternally. They are one God and three persons. So one God and three persons. They are co-eternal, co-existent, co-equal. So whatever the Father does, the Son does. Whatever the Son does, the Father does and the Spirit does. Notice verse 21 For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. And so if Jesus does whatever the Father does, then his unity with the Father must involve equal ability. Alfred Barnes said this, If the Son does all that the Father does, then like him, he must be almighty, omniscient, all-present, and infinite in every perfection. Or in other words, he must be God. The clearest and most concise statement of the deity of Jesus is seen at the beginning of this gospel. Chapter 1, 
verse 1. In the beginning was God, or was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the God in whom we all live and move and have our being. The God who spoke the world into existence and upholds the universe by the word of his power. There are some people who argue that Jesus never claimed to be God. This is complete nonsense. He totally claimed to be God. Do you see that in the text there? In the passage before us, Jesus tells us that he is truly God, the same with the Father. And yet, at the same time, if you look at verse 20, it seems like Jesus is talking about his two natures. He was fully God, and yet at the same time, he was fully man. Verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing shows him all that he himself is doing. All right, so if we ask the question, did Jesus have to learn things? What's our answer going to be? Yes and no, right? Because according to his divine nature, the Son of God didn't have to learn anything. But as he took on a human nature and became the God-man, both God and man in one person, which is kind of mind-blowing, and we're breezing past this really quickly. Um, but as he became this God-man, we are told in the scriptures that he, he grew in wisdom and stature. He emptied himself. He got hungry. He got tired. He was truly man. And so as a man, he studied the scriptures. He had to learn. And here in our passage, Jesus is saying that God the Father was revealing things to him, showing things to him, and doing this because of the love that he has for the Son, his only begotten Son. We're given this glimpse into this relationship between God the Father and God the Son. The Father shows his love for the Son by showing, and the Son shows his love to the Father by obeying, by doing these works. Jesus had just healed this paralyzed man who was paralyzed for 38 years. And then even before that, he turned water into wine. Jesus claimed that greater works were on the way in order that people would marvel. What are these greater works? We see them in verses 21 and 22. We see that Jesus has the power to give life and he has the authority to judge. Look at verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. I mean, this was a shocking statement in Jesus' day. I bet it even shocked the disciples when Jesus said this. Because the Jews knew from the scriptures that only God had the power to raise the dead and give life. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6, it says, The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. And now Jesus says, 
Just as the Father can do this, so can I. Jesus is claiming to be equal with God here, to be united in the same work of giving life. And if you've ever read the Gospel of John, or if you've read on, it's hard not to think about the raising of Lazarus here. Jesus has the power to raise the dead with just a word. Not only is Jesus equal with the Father since he has the power to give life, but also that he's equal with the Father because he has the authority to judge. Look at verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but he has given all judgment to the Son. The Jews in Jesus' day confessed and believed these two things. Only God gives life at the beginning and only God gives judgment at the end. God is the judge of all the earth. And now Jesus is making clear that all judgment has been given to him. And this is probably shocking to maybe even some of us. Because in our minds, God the Father is the judge, and Jesus is this loving and compassionate and tender and, 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 and loving man. But Jesus says here that he is the judge. Jesus is the judge of all the earth. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, didn't John 3.17 say that Jesus came not to condemn the world? Is this a contradiction? Not a contradiction. The purpose for Jesus' first coming was not for judgment, but for, for the salvation of the world that was already condemned. But he will come again. And what is said here is that he will come as the judge of all the earth. And then notice the reason. The reason that the Father gave Jesus the ability to raise the dead and entrusted all judgment to him was so that all would honor Jesus. Look at verse 23. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Think about the power in this statement. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day, men who claim to love God with all that they are, deeply devoted to the deep things of God, but they don't know how to respond to Jesus, either his, his words or his works. They don't know how to respond. And in fact, as of right now, they're persecuting him and seeking to kill him. And Jesus tells them, you aren't honoring God at all unless you honor me. You cannot honor the Father without honoring the Son. To reject the Son is to reject the Father. Because the Father and the Son are one. They are one in essence, they are one in their work. They are one in their ability to give life, and they are one in their judgment. And so how do we honor the Son? How do we do this? How do we honor the Son? 
by acknowledging that he is who he says he is and submitting to him and to his teaching. There are many in our day, and maybe some here this morning, that think it's possible to be accepted by God the Father apart from faith in Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning that's false. It's not true. Things couldn't be any clearer than what Jesus says in this text. To reject the Son is to reject the Father. And so, are you honoring the Son this morning? Do you believe who he says he is? Are you submitting to Jesus? Can you imagine what it must have been like for these religious leaders to hear this? To hear that in their rejection of Jesus, they were rejecting the God that they have claimed to know their entire lives. And yet, in the midst of Jesus bringing out this clarification for them, Jesus invites those who hated him most to receive eternal life through faith in him. Look at verse 24. We see the Son offers eternal life. Jesus, again, uses that truly, 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 I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. How can people please the Father? What must we do to avoid the Father's wrath? How can anyone avoid the judgment that the Father has entrusted to the Son? Jesus says, whoever hears my word. And this is not only extended to the Jews in Jesus' day, but to all who hear his word. Do you, do you see the word there? Whoever, whoever hears. And that includes all of you here this morning. You have been exposed to the words of Jesus. Paul says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why we as Christians must preach and declare the words of Jesus and not some watered down message in order that we won't offend anybody. We preach Christ. We preach his word. And Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. What does it mean to believe him who sent Jesus? If anyone believes that God the Father sent his son Jesus and that God the Father has given Jesus the ability to do what he himself does, then he believes him who sent Jesus. And so those who hear the words of Jesus and believe that God the Father sent Jesus, they have eternal life. Notice what it says here. It doesn't say they will have eternal life. But if anyone believes, he or she has eternal life. And so you can enjoy the effects of eternal life in the midst of afflictions 
and sorrows and the loss of a job and unexpected test results, even in the death of a loved one, we have eternal life if we hear the words of Jesus and believe the one who sent him. And then the implication of this. Do you see that? He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What comforting words. Anyone who believes the gospel of Jesus Christ will not be condemned, will not stand trial, will not come into judgment. Death has no claim on you. The curse of the law is removed. And the almighty and everlasting wrath of God does not hang over those who believe. You've passed from death to life. Jesus is speaking here about spiritual death and spiritual life. One of the commentators, Leon Morris, writes, Just as the Father takes dead bodies and raises them to new life, so the Son takes people who, though their bodies are alive, are yet in a state of death and raises them to spiritual life. Everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus is spiritually dead because of their sin. Those who believe in Jesus' words, those who believe in the, in the God who sent Jesus to die on the cross for their sins are given new life, spiritual life. And they've been transformed from the realm of sin and death into the realm of eternal life. What a message to start on the new year. Think about the good news that you guys just heard right there out of this text. Let's just read that, that verse one more time. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Amen? And so my question to you this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe? Jesus saves. Jesus offers eternal life to all who believe. Are you trusting in Christ? Because whoever does not honor the Son or believe the Son or worship the Son will be judged. That's what Jesus talks about in this last section. Jesus talked about giving life to the dead and being given all judgment in verses 20 to 23, and now he elaborates on that in verses 25 to 29. We see the Son will raise the dead. Look at verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. 
In these verses, Jesus is talking about both resurrection and judgment. And he references two different times. Do you see that? In verse 25, an hour is coming, and then there's an hour that is now here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and live. I believe that the hour that is coming is in reference to the resurrection before the final judgment. And the hour that is now here is in reference to those who believe, who go from death to life, who experience this spiritual resurrection. Jesus could also be talking about how he will raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few chapters. And then in verse 26, he says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. That is a significant verse. I don't have tons of time to really get into it, but essentially what it's saying is that the Father has always been granting the Son to have life in himself. Remember, Jesus is the Word who was in the beginning with God, and in him was life. This is often described theologically as the eternal generation of the Son. That's a big phrase for New Year's Day, the eternal generation of the Son. But it's very important to understand this. The Son receives the gift of life in himself from the Father from eternity. As the eternal gift, he has always had life in himself. Again, this shows that equality that exists between the Son and the Father. And then verse 27 repeats what has been said in verse 22. But in this verse, Jesus has been given authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. That title, Son of Man, points all the way back to Daniel chapter 7. It has these overtones of power and authority and glory. Jesus is the judge of all the earth. And that reminds me of Acts chapter 17, verse 31. It says, God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The judge of the world will be a man who was raised from the dead, namely Jesus Christ. Jesus is the judge of all the earth. And then in verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in their tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And so you, individually, you are going to meet Jesus whether you like it or not. Whether you let him in or not, whether you're paying attention to him or not, whether you're prepared or not. Every single person that you pass on your car ride home this morning, every person in your office, every person in your school will meet Jesus Christ as judge. There will be a final judgment 
for all. All will hear his voice, both the living and the dead. In this passage, the dead will come out of their graves at the sound of Jesus' voice at the end. And Jesus will give a just judgment. In verse 30, he says, And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He will pronounce judgment according to the will of the Father. Some will enter into life, and then some will enter into judgment and eternal punishment. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. But don't misinterpret what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying if you do good enough, you will obtain the resurrection of life on the last day. But he is saying that your life will reflect what you profess. And so those who are trusting in in him on the last day, their lives will include good works because there's no such thing as a faith that is not evidenced by works. To be clear, saving faith alone saves. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone, but saving faith is never alone. It's always accompanied by works as evidence. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, remember verse 24. You might want to highlight this one in your Bible. This is such a good verse. If you experience that spiritual resurrection, having come from spiritual death to spiritual life, if you have heard his words, if you have believed, Jesus says that there will be no judgment for you on judgment day. There will be no judgment for you on judgment day. Amen? But one of the thoughts that some believers have I have, so what's it going to be like when I'm laid bare before my God? All the sin, all the filth of my life, all the wrong thoughts, my sinful heart, all my failures. And Jesus says, if you believe in the Son, you already have eternal life. Remember what he says, those who believe do not come into judgment. The assurance that we have in that verse, the comfort that we have in that verse. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But how is it that there's no judgment for us? How is that possible? because the God who has all authority to judge me came to this fallen and dark world. He took on flesh and he came on a mission to save people from his own judgment. I'm going to repeat that. He came on a mission to save people from his own judgment and he went to the cross And so all the wickedness that you or I have done that should send us to hell forever, he took on himself. 
It was imputed to him. It was placed on him. And then God poured all his wrath out on Jesus. And as Jesus cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what the answer is? So that God would not forsake you. God will not judge you because he judged the Son. Jesus, being both God and man, was able to be the perfect sacrifice. He was able to withstand the wrath of God to absorb it all on your behalf. Then he rose from the dead. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, as one songwriter wrote, on judgment day, you will look at your judge's face and see your Savior there. On judgment day, you will look in your judge's face and see your Savior there. You will see your Savior who says, you have already passed from death to life. There is no judgment for you. I don't know about you. I kind of need to hear that almost every minute of my life. Because I know how sinful I am. I know how prone to forget this. So if you're a believer in Jesus and you understand this truth, Jesus does not want you to be afraid of death. You have eternal life. You will not enter into judgment. But if you don't believe in Jesus, you should fear death. You should greatly fear death. Because after death is judgment. At the end of time, all the dead in history will be raised, some to everlasting life and some to never-ending judgment. These words are intended to make us tremble. The graces we experience in this life and the eternal destiny that we have depends ultimately on Jesus and how we respond to him. And so have you really seen who Jesus is? That he is God. That he is the one who gives life. And he is the one who is the judge of all the earth. How could anybody possibly say that Jesus Christ never claimed to be God? He says, if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father. Jesus is truly who he says he is, then you have to bow down before him and say, you are my Lord. No amount of good works will give you a pass. Your sin has separated you from God and the penalty for your sin is death and judgment and eternal punishment. And so I urge you this morning to hear the words of Jesus and believe to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus, to honor the Son, 
Jesus has given you an invitation this morning in verse 24. I'm going to read it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Your only hope is to believe and trust in Jesus. And so if he's working on your heart this morning, don't delay. Don't wait till next time because you might not have a next time. At the end of the service, I'll be up here. There'll be a, a few others with me. If you want to talk, work through these things. We love to share the gospel with you, to pray for you. Have you ever come to terms with what Jesus says here? To actually believe that it's true. That there will be a judgment. There will be a judgment. And if you do not believe, you desperately need to hear the voice of the Son of God and believe the Father who sent him. Start this new year by trusting in Jesus. And if you are already a believer in Jesus, he has taken judgment from you. Praise the Lord. There's nothing to fear. You have already been given eternal life. Be comforted. But as you think about who the Lord Jesus is and what he has done and what he will do, start this new year by trusting him more by getting into the word daily, by praying at all, at all times, reading good books that will help you understand the deep truths about God's word, and then also consider the eternal destination of those around you. Think about how you can tell those who you see in your daily life about your hope in Jesus Christ, that they too may come to believe and have eternal life. The Son's equality with the Father demands that we respond to him with honor and belief. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. We confess that you have the power to give life and you have all authority to judge. Make us to hear your voice with spiritual ears. We pray that you would remove any fear of judgment or death, that you would break down every barrier, the barrier of sin, which clings so closely, the barrier of our unbelief. And in your great mercy, remind us of the privileges that are ours because of your work on the cross. Work powerfully in us this new year, we also pray for those who may not know you right now, that today would be the day of salvation. We pray this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen.